Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom, and I'm happy to welcome today's guest, Sanjeev Lumba. He's the author of the ninth gear it's going to be a really interesting conversation around culture leadership business strategy and i'm happy to welcome on onto the show welcome thank you thank you dr lu thank you very much for inviting me yeah um where are you coming from where are you calling in from so i'm uh, let me just look out of the window today i'm in london and it is a little bit like that you know i have to just check uh where i'm so I'm, i live in london i'm based in london and and today i happen to be here as well uh, yeah. Otherwise, I'm literally all over the world. Uh, tell us more about your origin story, how you got started, and what you do. Yeah, sure. So, uh, my I'm very closely linked with the medical profession in the sense that, well, my father was a doctor and a genius and a, and a saintly doctor, who I admired very much. And um, and then we moved to from India to to the UK. My original my my studies were first in finance. I, I trained to be, uh, well, I did financial degrees and then chartered accountant and, and so on. And then I was disillusioned with the whole area of strict finance and debit and credit and black and white and red. And so so I, I quit the day I qualified. The, literally, I mean, I literally, I qualified on a Friday and I quit on the Monday. And I went on to do an MBA in, in uh, at Cranfield and then two MBAs. And and the, the reason for all of this was that during those years as a junior auditor, I think I had a disease, which I call potential. And I just, I just saw potential. And and it, it, at the age of twenty one, I named my company, which which is called the Real Potential. And and I just saw potential, whether it was potential in your strategies, in your customers, in your markets, in your people, in your processes, in whatever your products, your services. So I just saw potential, and I made it my quest in life to 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 help people, organizations, individuals to really be able to to tap into to that potential. But I I was tempted after my MBA to go and work for a consulting firm, um, or at least they were uh, very tempted to recruit me, and I resisted that. And the reason for that is very simple. I have no right to stand up and guide anyone or, or teach anyone or anything like that unless I've had the good fortune to be able to actually do it myself. And 
And so everything I say, and and that's in the book as well, in my method, is coming from the experience of being able to have turned around corporations as finance director, marketing director, strategy director. So I worked in 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 corporations and then CEO of of different corporations, different countries. And then in the last uh, 25 years or so, I've been bringing that to hundreds of organizations and thousands of people. And I'm saying this with incredible humbleness, modesty, and gratitude that uh, to bring that transform us to, to people, including uh, a lot of doctors and KOLs, uh, if I may say. Um, been quite closely associated pharmaceuticals, medical devices companies, but also individual KOLs uh, through my through my career and and helping them through. So that that's my gig, and and now the book is out there. The method, which I call Valuepreneurship, is, is kind of turning the world the other way round. Looking at business strategy, entrepreneurship, the from the right way round. We're looking at it from the wrong way round. You know, I'll be happy to explore that with you if you want. Yeah. So that, in a nutshell, is the story. Nice. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. A lot of my colleagues, we, we got into medical school, we, we got through it, we got into residency, and then, we, and then we get into it and we're like, we're just looking around, we're being like WTF, you know, this, you know, it's a dying, you know, all this. But uh, so I like this idea of potenti- potentiitis. I like that. I like that. Potentialitis. It's what comes of being, uh, of growing up in a, in a, in a medical family. Yeah. So you have this uh, idea that you talked about valuepreneurship, in the ninth gear, kind of tell us kind of the, the meat around it. Yeah, the, the essence of, of, of valuepreneurship is, as I said, that we look at the world the right way around. Uh, we're looking at it the wrong way around. What do I mean by that? As an entrepreneur, we're over-concerned about me. And we're over-concerned about what product. So the, an entrepreneur says this. An entrepreneur says, what products and what services can I have? How much can I sell? To whom can I sell it to? How many dollars can I make? And, and how wealthy can I get? Which is all fine. There's no, there's no problem with that. And it's brought us up to here. It's great. But going on from here, moving on, there's a call to integrity. And in, in a strange sort of way, I feel a little bit fake speaking about this to to, to doctors, because if anyone gets close to value and being a valuepreneur is, is doctors, because your, your obsession is with making people right. However, we are business people as well. Let's face it, you know, we are professionals. And the, the dollar value does uh, interplay very strongly. Uh, argument, not only my argument, but I'm happy to say that the transformation I brought to parts of J&J, Biosense Webster, Cordis, uh, you know, companies like that, or Covidian, and, you know, or, or even uh, uh, Bayer Pharmaceuticals and Janssen Pharmaceuticals and so on, that having brought some significant transformation in the way that they approach the world and market, the valuepreneurial thinking goes the other way around. The valuepreneur doesn't start by saying, what do I have? How much can I sell? How much can I make? The valuepreneur says, who's out there? who's out there, really understands and, and focuses their attention on, on certain parts of, of, of the world, of the market, on whom my talents, my skills, my knowledge, my education, my capabilities will have a depth of impact, right? So I choose who I can make the best responses to. And then I look at what's changing in their world. How is the, the 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 changes in the world impacting their priorities and changing things about them? And then and only then I, I develop responses to perfectly match that that value. 
I'm not saying anything new, Dr. Liu. There's nothing new about what I'm saying. What, what, what is new about it? Everyone gets this and everyone understands this and everyone says, yes, you know, work is all about serving and bringing value. But when it gets down to work itself, <laughs> we go the other way around. There's a desperation of the me. So my methods, my step-by-step -step technique reverses that. And my argument is, not my argument, my experience, I'm seeing this every day of my life, is that valuepreneurs actually become wealthier than entrepreneurs. Because who, who, you know, the question is this, who would you rather buy from? Someone who's trying to sell you stuff or someone who's obsessed with your, with your priorities and what the impact the world is throwing on you? It's a no-brainer. And who will you argue more on prices? Will the, the, the entrepreneur or the valuepreneur? So the valuepreneur and entrepreneur do the same work. They do it with a very different intention. Interesting. You know, I mean, there's examples oozing out. And, and I'll be happy to share if you, you know, if, may I? May I? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go ahead and share. So I was, and, and let me, uh, I mean, tons of different examples in different worlds and things. But let me share with you a very, very senior cardiologist who I was asked to coach through a, a medical devices major. And this gentleman uh, was pro a, a top professor KOL uh, from in France. And I was, and he was going to, to present a paper the next day and uh, the next week uh, at PCR, which is one of the, one of the big, biggest cardiology conferences in Portmaillot in, in, in Paris. So I was asked to come in and coach this gentleman, which was wonderful. I went there and I said, okay, professor, let me see your, your, your presentation. And, you know, Dr. Lou, here it was. Um, and a lot of your listeners will resonate with this. Uh, you know, a huge auditorium, four or 5,000 people in that auditorium, a gigantic screen behind him, a lectern in front with his laptop, the glasses are down here, and here goes the presentation. Dear colleagues, thank you very much for coming to my presentation so early in the morning, straight after breakfast. I'm very, it's very kind of you. <laughs> Uh, my name is Professor. We have studied uh, the, 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 the distinction between drug-eluting stents and, and normal stents, and, and we studied 1,500 patients. And then he goes into the research protocols and everything that was done and what was who was where and everything that was done. And then somewhere buried in the end was the, the punchline, was the real value. And I said, I said, Professor, Making a scientific presentation is no joke. And he said, uh, Sanjeev, uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, it is no joke. Uh, how do you mean? I said, because in a scientific presentation, you put the, the punchline at the beginning. Right? That's why it's no joke. Because jokes have punchlines at the end. To cut a long story short, Dr. Lou, next week he was presenting. He invited me. You know, I coached him for a couple of days and he invited me and I was sitting in the front row, 4,000 people in the audience and the presentation goes like this. No lectern, no laptop for the moment. He walks straight up to the edge and there was no nothing fake, nothing acting about this. It was his nature coming out and he walked up to the stage and he said, dear colleagues, Dear colleagues, I want you to imagine that you have a patient with a complicated lesion at the bifurcation point of the aorta lying on the table in your cath lab. What goes through your mind? What goes through your mind? That you never want to see that patient at least for six years, not just for six after six months because they're coming back for re-intervention. The cost of your interventions comes down by 
and that you can handle two more patients in your daily list. And suddenly, there was a hush in the audience, and he zipped it. And someone in the audience said, Professor, tell us how. And then he took the joy to be able to, and the engagement level was very, so that is valuepreneurship, that you are hitting the value and then giving the, the what, and we go the other way around. And it was rapturous applause. People were afterwards saying, uh, yeah, Professor, can you help us to, to have drug-eluting stents in ballooning or whatever in, in our cath labs? And, and he looked at me, and to bless him, you know, I, I was so humbled. He just looked at me, he winked, and he gave a little applause like this to me, which was, you know, or, I mean, a big honor for me. But this is the, the thing. So we need to reverse. It's not about what we do. It's about what we bring. It's about what we impact. And you see how your world changes around you and how joyous you become in your work, actually. And not only more wealthy, but actually far more joyous. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite enlightening. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like um, an epiphany and is kind of the counter. The other thing is what was interesting, uh, this uh, mind availability and personal fortitude that uh, you describe. And I'm really curious on, on if you could expand on that the mind mind is is constantly being pulled into all sorts of very crazy directions it's distracted and the more the meanness is there the more the mind will be distracted and the moment the mind is distracted and usually it is distracted by what it is distracted by the the very the, the foundation of distraction is my ego and the moment that my ego comes into play, I'm either in regretting the past or fearing the future, and or, or I'm trying to, to it, it's too much about me. And that distraction makes my mind not available. If you, you know, you've got a bucket, you fill it with water, what, and it's full with, with dirty water, what, what, what are you going to do? You know, it's, you've got to empty the thing out first before you start putting clean water in it. So having the presence of mind and making decisions like that, I've, Oh, gosh, another example. I was asked to coach uh, of physicians, and they were doing uh, live, um, what do you call it, uh, demonstrations, right? So you had, again, it's back in, in cardiology. So in a cath lab, you have this very top, top, top guy, uh, interventional cardiologist. And he's, doing, and he's showing, and you've got this thing going out live to thousands of people uh, and so on. And... I'm sad, and I can't name, of course, the the organization by far or anywhere come anywhere near it. But uh, they had, but there was a fatality, and the whole issue was that there was a distraction, and I could see what was happening. There was a focus. I wasn't there at the conference. I saw the video afterwards. There was an excessive focus of I am doing the demonstration. I am the big KOL. I need to show you, I'm going to show you. And that distraction caused an issue. So having the mind present is 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 critical. And, and that brings you that peace. And it's in that quietude that you can see the reality. We don't see reality. We are disturbed. We are, we, we don't, I, I had, I had just last week, I had a team uh, from an IT company that I was coaching. And their client let's give him a name, John, said to the IT project manager, let's give him a name, Pete. John said to Pete, hey, Pete, I need a, a workload optimization report. Now, what's a workload optimization report? It's simply that the 20 people in your team 
Pete, I wanted blow by blow detail of what they are doing and how much they are occupied. That's all. Nothing else. Each individual. Pete comes to the team and says, hey, guys, look, look at the way he's saying it. Hey, guys, um, John is looking for a workload optimization report. So can you let me have yours by, by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning? Dr. Liu, everyone worked that evening very hard writing copious amounts I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it, it and 120%, I'm working at 120% of my capacity. Everyone showed that. Do you know what this request was about? It was about, under GDPR, there was a new contract that this company wanted to, uh, to give to, the, to an IT company who had some capacity. Look at this. And they showed we were working at 120%. And who lost out? Knowing that this was the team to solve the problem, the IT company lost out because the, the client said, you're, you're too busy, I can't give it to you. Uh, the company lost out because uh, the right uh, team didn't make it. For, it. This is the kind of, and you know what the mind disturbance was? And the mind non-availability was that they read it. Pete read this and the whole team read this as the client saying to them, uh, I, I'm checking. They thought the client was checking up on them and that they thought the client thinks we don't work hard enough. And we're making decisions. This happened last week. I'm, I'm shocked. It's incredible. And you know what was missing? A simple question from Pete to John to say, hey, John, if he'd been valuepreneurial about this, he would have had the courage. And you'll be shocked. You probably, you're thinking, Sanjeev, this is obvious stuff. It is. I'm seeing it every day after thousands of people that I've had the pleasure of working. It doesn't happen that often. And that is, he should have said, and had the courage to say to John, hey, John, sure, no problem. Look, I want to get this report absolutely right for you. So may I just understand, could you share with me what is the application of it? What's it used for? What's the end impact? Uh, what kind of decisions are being made in the company from this report? And then John would have said, hey, um, let me let you into a secret. We've got this compliance thing going on and da 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 da, da and, and I'm going to, it was a pharmaceutical company. And then John, Pete could have gone to, and knowing what was the exact compliance requirement? He could have said, right, Lewis and Mario on my team are experts at this. I will put them on this project. And now I will go and ask for additional resources for temporarily for two weeks, bringing Julie and, and, uh, and, and, and Tom onto the project. So we make better decisions. It's, <laughs> it's crazy, man. We, we're disturbed. Yeah. Our mind is distracted. And it's no one's fault. I must say this very, very clearly. It, I'm very cautious that it's, it should not sound. It, this is just natural. This is where we get to with our natural human behavior. So the quietude of the mind, taking charge of your mind before the mind takes charge of you, critical. This has uh, been a great conversation. How can people contact you, follow you, and, uh, or reach out to you? Yeah, uh, sure. It'll be a, it'll be a joy. It'll be a joy to uh, if anyone does, and if I can bring uh, any enhancement to to your own careers. So you can you can look at me through my website, and the website is very simply valuepreneurship.com. The preneurship is spelled like entrepreneurship. So valuepreneur or, or look me up on LinkedIn, just Sanjeev Lumba. Uh, or the book is called The Ninth Gear, and um, yeah, reach out. It'll be great to be in touch with with you folks and then uh yeah for all the audience out there let's thank uh sanjeev for bringing a wealth of wisdom knowledge and wisdom 
and um, be sure to reach out to him on social media. His the links will be in the uh, or the resources will be in the links in the show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Dr. Liu. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next